Well, hey, everybody, it's time for another Texas Homegrown Music, and I've got a friend of mine. He's coming to me from Austin, Texas, named Van Wilkes. He was just at the guitar show, and he plays around a lot. And when you hear this guy and hear his story and all of his influences, you'll know why I had him on here, because he's a true Texas artist, been involved with all kinds of people, including Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. So I don't want to take a lot of time. I want to get to a song really quickly. I'm going to sing a song that's going to get you up and moving called Testify that I did on one of my older records. And if you guys listen real closely, you can hear the laughter of Clarence Clemens. That's right, the big man from E Street Band. He and I have done a lot of gigs together in the past, and I sure do miss him. Every once in a while, I just play this song simply so I can hear his big laughter at the end. So Testify by yours truly, and we'll be back on Texas Homegrown Music with my friend Van Wilkes. Texas homegrown music and with my friend Van Wilkes. Van, welcome to the show. <laughs> it's been a while to get here. Wow. It took a while to get here, but I'm so glad I made it and so glad to be sitting here. I'm in Austin, Texas, and with yes, the uh, power of the internet, I'm sitting here talking with you, and uh, it's a great pleasure. I know all about your uh, show, and uh, I'm really honored to be, be on it. So well, here we go. Well, you know, uh, Van, we go way back. Um, I think I'm trying. To, I tried to remember this. Um, you know, I know you love to wear hats. You're a big hat guy. Well, you know, I'm a hat guy. 
<laughs> I, I think early on when I opened up the um, my boutique, we were at the guitar show, and I think I might have sent you a hat or two or something. You either either you did or I bought one because yep. I've got one somewhere. Yep. And, yeah, uh, I like hats. Sure, why not? And you I look great hats. in them. You look great with or without a hat, baby. <laughs> but yeah, let me just tell you, you've worn a lot of hats musically. I can tell you that. I would, I've been reading through your discography, sweetie, and I I'm just so impressed by um, well all the. I, I count I couch it in the term, especially living in Austin and getting any kind of press or notoriety, little bit of notoriety that I have. Uh, living in Austin, I, I, I say I've survived all the fads. Yeah. You know, in the 70s when we started playing and uh, Tommy Shannon was in my band right before he joined Stevie Ray Vaughan, or several years before he joined Stevie. And uh, and it, it was the, all of a sudden the Cosmic Cowboy scare came in. And I'm not knocking any of these music idiots. No, no, I get it. They're all great. It's just we were a three-piece Texas blues rock original band not not to say we you know our, we just played original blues rock music that we wrote and to get a gig was just phenomenal that we could play and do do that thing uh, so it was the cosmic cowboy thing and then oh and then a few years later then uh disco hit and then punk came in and that devastated any kind of you know we were no not, we were not cool anymore and uh, I think by that time, Tommy had left. I remember my drummer and I, when Tommy first joined us, he was a bit older than us, and uh, which is funny to think of now. Uh, but my drummer and I said, do we really want a 30-year-old guy in our band? You know, just <laughs> couldn't believe, you know, because you never trust anybody over 30 when you're, you know, <laughs> growing up in the 60s. But Tommy just played Woodstock, Albert Hall. Hen there's pictures of Hendrix playing his his P bass, jazz bass on online with Johnny Winter. I mean, so we were in awe of him and and luckily I've got a lot of reel to reel tapes of us. We never did do a record or anything. We 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 played uh, we were playing Mother Earth. I don't think you go back that far. No, but I've heard really of cool it. Really cool club. Yes, I've a lot of Dallas it. bands played. Yes. Rockies, uh Link, Rocky all these and, yeah. yeah, and Lightning and Slip of the Wrist, I think that was Gary Myrick, just all these Dallas bands that I thought were so cool. And uh, and it was 74 and ZZ Top's romping, stomping barbecue thing at, at uh, Texas Stadium, uh, here, uh, UT Stadium, rather. And, about a, and I went by myself, and it was just miserable because, uh, you know, so many people, no water, no nothing. Anyway, I was a huge fan of theirs, of course. And uh, we played Mother Earth that night, and a few weeks later, I got this call from a guy named Bill Ham, and uh, I didn't believe it was him. He said, are you that skinny guy that was playing guitar? Anyway, long story, but we did end up signing with him in 74, and that started a long, and, and let, ar let arduous... And let the uh, listeners realize that um, Bill Ham was uh, who represented ZZ Top, right? Yeah, he was the manager. Yeah. And at that time, it was ZZ and maybe J-Boy Adams. Yeah. And maybe Point Blank was just coming in. Okay. And uh, he signed us, and uh, we started hitting the road for no money, of course. But I always say, uh, if I would have got into this business for money, I would have quit a long time ago. Oh. You know, many... I mean, how else can you couch it? Yeah. Uh, and and it's, it's my choice, you know. Um, uh, so I made that choice and I'm, I'm glad I did. Well, we're all glad you did, Van. So well. <laughs> just, just so that, um, we can give a little bit of history back here. Uh, I think I read somewhere cause so you grew up, uh, you were born in Galveston, Texas. So you're definitely mm -hmm. a Texas homegrown boy for sure. Oh yeah. Um, born in, in Galveston. I was actually born in Houston. So just FYI, okay, well, I, you, I moved away. Yeah, I moved away when I was two, but I got back here um, in the in the uh, '80s. But I um, I read somewhere that you grew up. Uh, I think you said something about your dad might have even played a little bit of fiddle or violin or something. I had. Uh, uh, uncles that uh, 
especially Uncle Curtis. He even had a music store in Hobbs and then somewhere else, and that's all he did was music. And my Uncle Felix played a little bit. They were mostly trained men. Daddy played a little bit for fun, but I don't really recall him. But he was really supportive of it, and what better, what more could you have than support of your parents, even if it wasn't mon monetarily? But it was, you know, like... Here, here's here's a uh, ten dollars. Go buy a nice steak. Can you imagine trying to buy a nice steak for ten dollars now? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. You can't uh, even get one in the grocery store for that. No, but I mean, that, I'm just using that as an example of how supportive they, my mother and dad were, and uh, I, I was really lucky. Did you have and so? Siblings? Yeah, Galveston. Yeah, a, a sister that's eight years older, and we were oh. very close. Um, so Galveston until I was about. Five, four, I think, or maybe three. And my parents tell me these wonderful stories when they were alive of going to the Balinese room. And I can just see them there all dressed up with drinks with little umbrellas in them and seeing... I heard Sinatra played there. I'm not sure I believe it, but major Las Vegas acts played the Balinese room. Okay. And my dad was working... He was a J.C. Penney guy all his life, most of his life. And, and he would sell, he called white goods to the madams on Post Office Street. And, and he would say about the Balinese room, they'd get all dressed up and go see some big act from Vegas. And Texas Rangers would come in and the band, they'd have an informant, the band would hit the spotlight and the band would strike up uh, the eyes of Texas Arbonia when the Rangers walked in. And that pissed them off, of course. <laughs> but they, they finally got busted. But it was wonderful hearing my dad talked about that and to wrap this portion up uh i got to play the balinese before it blew down oh and wow they had fixed it back up this is in the 90s no maybe no 2000s yeah before ike or i, I get the hurricanes mixed up whatever the one that blew, blew galveston. out of galveston uh but they had fixed it back up with those fake palm trees that were lit up and and it was a twilight zone for me i could see my parents sitting there yeah, it was it was wonderful. So, lots of great memories. Then uh, we picked up and moved to Brownwood for J.C. Penney, and then finally to Lubbock for J.C. Penney, and that's where I learned to play guitar. Well, so I gotta I gotta know what? Uh, how did you hook up with um, Billy Gibbons? For you know, well, to the point where you guys, because I'm gonna play a song you guys wrote together after this segment. I just wanted to give a little segue to give people a little history on that. Well. Uh, I think, obviously, it was when I signed with ZZ, the ZZ Top Management with Bill Ham, And we toured, and we did a lot of shows with them. And But but there was a edict and a rule that the bands weren't supposed to hang out together. Mm -hmm. so Billy Which is kind of weird. Well, there might have been, I can see it a little bit, like, oh, you're doing this for that band and nothing for me, you know, that I kind see. of thing. I would have never been jealous of ZZ Top, my God. I mean, they, you know... Uh, but in spite of that, uh, kind of an unspoken rule, we we became friends, really close friends. And he would stay at my house on Elizabeth Street. And in fact, I've always had this big thing about Paris and the art in the 20s and 30s. And the artists and the photographers and the music. And it, it, it touched a, a heartstring with Billy. And we went to Paris without Bill Ham knowing we went. We couldn't weren't supposed to go anywhere but we went to Paris in 79 I think and anyway it's just a friendship that has evolved and come in and out over the years in and out meaning he's kind of busy you know um, we'll go months without hearing him but recently I mean I just got back from his house in Nashville last month and but we were c close in that the art and the books and the things we liked, and of course the music, the blues stuff. But we didn't always play that much. It, there was more to it than that. And I, looking back, I go, wow, we should have. But I mean, there were many nights that, that we did play, and that's why, how we wrote Drive By Lover. If you want to hear that story now, I'll make yes, it. Yes, give it to me. Yeah. Okay, 79, 80 something? I don't know maybe early 80s, we're at my house on Elizabeth Street, a tiny little house that Billy likes to talk about. And uh, this was in an era where there were drive-by shootings all the time. And so one of us came up with, hey, drive-by lover. So I, I 
sussed it out, and, and there's some cassette tapes of us just sitting in my living room with the guitars not plugged in. You can just hear it kind of squeak, 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 you know, yeah. <laughs> an electric guitar not that, plugged in. You can right. imagine what that sounds like. But anyway, we had a, a, a sketch of it, and all of a sudden, uh, when did La Futura come out? God, seven years ago, eight? I don't know. I can't believe so much time. Uh, Billy calls up and says, hey, we, we need, I need a song. Remember that drive-by lever thing? I said, yeah, I've got some, what I call little vignettes of it, 30-second, 15-second things. Uh, my band did a version of it that I didn't, that I, I had on tape, but it was bad, so I didn't even want him to hear it. So, luckily, luckily, I had transferred those cassette renderings to digital to a computer so I could send them to him and I don't even know how I did that because I'm pretty illiterate maybe somebody helped me and uh, so he calls back from I think he was working with Rick Rubin in uh, LA or somewhere I don't know he said okay uh, what what was his term uh, knock out some words he had a word for it uh, scratch out knock out some lyrics so I sat on the couch and and we have this term together called massage the lyrics. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard that, that a know. few times. Yeah, just like this this word you don't need. Let's massage that little section. Um, so I, I whipped out something because it's just a bar band song. I mean, it's not it's not a, not a we are the world, change the world, apartheid, save you know save the children kind of song. It's a it's what we do. What I do best is a bar bar band song and. A, so I sent it back, and uh, I, within an hour or so, he played me something over the phone with him singing it. Now he said, we really need a song for Dusty, which now makes me uh, really proud that Dusty ended up singing it. And every time I listen to it, their version, uh, I get kind of teary because it's, it's pretty much my lyrics, and uh, except for the massaging that Billy did. <laughs> well, there you and, go. Uh, there's and, the history uh, behind it, people. I mean, that's so cool. And what a what a nice pat on the back for you. Oh, you know, yeah. for him to call you and say, "I need a song," and yeah, how just much he trusts like, you. like yourself for for any of us musicians to have a cut on, on a major record. Now, not to sound complaining, but the great irony of life is this record came out at the time that nobody's buying vinyl, uh, streams or nothing. I joke that if this would have been on uh, Eliminator, oh, you'd be sitting I, in another be, big old house. I'd have a <laughs> helicopter taking me to my gigs. <laughs> yeah. But I'm still very proud of it. And and to finish the story, Billy came out to the studio for my version of Drive By Lover, which of course I changed it up a bit, you know. And uh, he he produced it and he played it a little bit, but we can't remember where he played because he wanted it to be me. He said, "Well, if I play on it, it's going to be Billy Gibbons." No. Sorry, Billy F. Gibbons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he, I don't know if you're used to working with producers. I'm really not. I'm not against it. It would probably be best if I had one. But Billy, they call him the beast. He beat the hell out of me in singing, smile when you sing. And I started laughing going, what? He said, no, smile. And it does open up your mouth a little bit. So it's not that you're, hey, up with people smiling, you know, but, uh, but man, he said, lean into that. God, he, my, uh, Lisa, my girlfriend was there and she was going, Oh man, you poor guy. He's killing him. Yeah. But, like I, I've been there. I've, I've worked with producers where they just had me sing a word over and over and over to yeah. the point where I felt so sterile. I just couldn't stand it. But yeah, you know, they but knew I what actually, they wanted but, to hear. But you know, it was Billy Gibbons telling yeah. me that. Yeah. No what doubt. Do I, uh, even if I didn't like it, what do I have to lose? No doubt. If he so likes I it. Was I was proud. So uh, we were out at this buddy's studio in Dripping Springs, a private ranch thing, which is no longer there. And so Billy and I go all the way out to Dripping Springs. And uh, I don't know if you remember Chet Himes. He was the engineer who did Christopher Cross's big hits, and he's done everything I've ever done. He's... He died a couple of years ago, unfortunately. It's such a loss for all of us. An engineer that did all the Austin City Limits stuff. Just, oh, my God. And uh, so he was engineering for me, and 
he was basically always my producer slash engineer, which is a great combo for any musician to have. You're, it's just two of you working there once you get the basics down and somebody you love and trust. And they're also the engineer instead of just this outside producer going, ah, turn that up. So I'm, we're in this, it's not like a studio with a booth, isolation booth. We're in this big, uh, not a big room. It's like a little house. And I'm facing the, the, the mixing board and a giant screen. Uh, Chet is certainly facing the board. Billy is behind me. Billy gets Lisa to go into town and get a mirror <laughs> to put on, to stick on the mixing board so Chet could see me and Billy. Oh, my God. Because Chet's, Chet's facing the knobs, you know. <laughs> I don't know, just silly stuff like that, which, you know, one of those you kind of have to be memories. there, I think. Yeah. Well, we're going to play that song right now, and um, so you guys hear it. There's there's another version out there with ZZ Top, obviously, but uh, but here's our version and the original version that that was written together with um, with Ban and Billy F. Gibbons. Billy F. Gibbons. And it's called Drive by Lover, and we'll be right back to hear some more with golden Dusty Hill with Dusty Hill singing it. Dusty Hill singing it. Here yeah. we go.
Well, here we are back with my friend Van Wilkes. And I, I mean, I would imagine, Van, I could easily do two or three shows with you um, with some of the history that you've watched in Austin because you've been there, I, I guess, your whole life, really. Well, yeah, since I uh, lived in San Marcos and Wimberley, went to school there in 69, and then quit school and had a band with a guy that, whose cousin was in the Beach Boys. So he said, well, let's go out to California and he'll help us and we'll hit it. So packed up, drove out to California, lasted about six weeks. It was oh. fun. It was it was 73, I think. Came back, had a girlfriend in Austin and a trailer. And so moved in there and then we started kind of playing around Austin. Well, one night and Mother Earth and finally got to where we could headline the Armadillo, which was really nice. I know the Armadillo was before your time and you didn't live in Austin, but for a, a rock and roll t blues rock band to play the Armadillo was wonderful. And I mean, one night they'd have ballet, then they'd have Frank Zappa, then they'd have me. <laughs> and uh, of course, we weren't that big, but on a free night, I remember a free Wednesday night, a thousand people. Oh, wow. You know, of course, it was free. Yeah. What do you want for free? But but it, it was the first big stage that I played on. And I realized, man, you got this is going to help you learn how to to move and put on a show and have a backdrop. I remember we got a, a backdrop. We were called Fools then. Okay. Tommy Shannon, before Stevie, of course, Phil Ballinger and me, three-piece. We had Marshalls. Tommy had his uh, 360 acoustics that he used with Johnny Winter. So we tried to fill up the stage as much as we could, but then we got the idea to have a backdrop. So we would... Uh, Figured out a way to lower it down from the ceiling while house lights dim. I uh, had something from Debussy, the Engulf Cathedral, the spacey music come on, and then the lights go on and boom. So, I mean, that sounds so trite now, but it, we were trying to do some kind of production. Yeah, With, sure. We had no money, no ideas, except, and we, we would do things like I'd play an acoustic song called Older Than You Know, and one time I did it with Eric Johnson playing lap steel. One time a little high school violin section. Uh, and we would segue from that without without stopping. I'd put down the acoustic, the band, and start a beat, and then we'd go into this really monstrously heavy jam. So we tried to do a show, and I still th think about that. You know, we'll end one song, let the feedback hang, and drummer goes da-da-da-da-da, and boom, boom, right into a song. Just something so you're not going, okay, that was that Here's song. Here's the song. Let me, yeah. let me turn around, take a sip of something, and then, oh, God, you know, just try. Well, try. entertainment, baby, that's what it is. It's yeah. You're entertaining, right? And, and it's uh, hard for me because I'm not an entertainer. We're, we're musicians, and uh, I never did learn how to jump around and, you know, I don't know. Anyway, you just you just do what you do, and you try to give something. Well, you do it really well, and you've done it for a lot of people. Um, in, in fact, talk to me a little bit about some of those stellar moments that you had, because uh, reading through all these people that you've played for and played on, um, I, was, I saw that uh, you did a song called Honky Tonk with a whole bunch of great players. Oh, that was an honor. We never did it live. And uh, me being the Austin musician, these were mostly Dallas guys. Uh, well, to the story, Bugs Henderson was doing that song by Bill Doggett, Honky Tonk, and which is really a saxophone song, I think, mm -hmm. if I remember. And to be included in that scene and those people, it was, it was of course, Bugs' record. Uh I think we did it at Phil, with Phil York, which I was blown away. Because yep. I think he did Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain, I mm -hmm. think. Mm -hmm. I forgot the name of the studio, and I don't know if it's even still there in Dallas. Uh, so it was, from what I recollect, it was uh, Bugs, Jimmy Wallace, Willie Nelson, which just kills me, uh, Johnny Winter, Jimmy Vaughn, and, and I'm sorry, but I forgot who else. But just to be included in this this lineup of people being not in the clique. You know, unfortunately, there are cliques of musicians, just like colors, people, which, you know, it, it 
And in Austin, my God, the blues scene, if you played rock, you know, oh, you're not cool because you're not playing blues and you're not sleeping on somebody's couch. And, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it's to me, it's music and I like it all. I really do. Well, so when, when people ask you what kind of music do you play, I can't stand it when people ask me that, by the way, because, I, I mean, I, I I don't want to be pigeon-held into some avenue because I just love all kinds of music. I, mean, I grew up, my dad was from Chicago originally, listened to a lot of jazz, a lot of big bands. Um, you know, and I so I and I loved um, Burt Backrack, but I oh. also just I mean I I'm a big you know obviously from Texas I couldn't help but love rock and roll and I grew up uh, you know cutting my teeth on Janis Joplin, I grew up you know um, listening to a lot of the greats, but I also listened to a lot of the old blues artists as well. Yeah, and so I don't like it when people want to try to ask me what. Mm-hmm. kind of what genre you're in but i would definitely say van that you're best known for a blues rock feel would you agree yeah with that? And i like that uh, sure uh in fact getting back to a, another billy thing which uh one time i said uh i'm tired of people telling me i sound like you and he uh <laughs> he pulled down his glasses real low and leaned in and he said what's wrong with that <laughs> And I, I bet my voice said, well, uh, really nothing. I was just, I, I don't know. I was just, <laughs> but you know, I, I say that, that we have the same influences. Peter Green was my big influence. Uh, all, I didn't know enough about the old Chicago and all those blues guys until our friend Billy made, started making me a bunch of tapes. And I went backwards. My first, my Led Zeppelin album that says, I mean, I bought him new back then. A Whole Lot of Love says Page Plant and the other guys in the band. Now you buy it, thank God it says Dixon. And I learned from friends giving me the real deal that Willie Dixon wrote a song called You Need Love that Muddy sang. And it's the same damn lyrics. And so I'm so happy that that Willie Dixon got got on that as a songwriter. Yeah. But it uh, it seems like Clapton kind of always gave due the people but zeppelin didn't but anyway i learned a lot about music indigenous to my own country like all that yardbird stuff that they were doing bo diddley stuff i didn't know those were chuck berry um i used to be embarrassed to say that i'm not anymore that i first heard roll over beethoven on the beatles second album oh yeah okay. i didn't know who chuck berry was because for one reason in lubbock texas they weren't about to play right they would call it race music they would play Motown, but but not, I, I mean, I never heard anything. So I didn't have an outlet or an opportunity to hear the stuff that grabbed me like it did and a whole lot of other people, thank goodness. It's, it's ironic how the English guys had to teach a lot of us little white American uh, boys. Boy, about our own music and what. And, uh, yes, <laughs> where and they, they were, were smart enough to, to get martial amps and crank it up. Because at 13 and 14, we might not have liked that. I I might not have liked that original stuff. Now, that's all I listen to and has been for 40 years. But, uh, well, the influences of all of us are what make us, you know, who we are. And there's nobody, you know, honestly, Van, I've lived long enough and I've heard enough songs. And of course, I, I hear a lot of stuff now about people, you know, um, want to, you know, say it's it's their original take on a song or whatever. Here's the deal. We're all we're all just regurgitating things that we've yep. heard and been influenced by. Um, I'll never forget when I uh, I heard a couple of songs that sounded, as soon as they started, I thought, oh, it's People Get Ready. And it wasn't People Get Ready. But it was because, you know, that those chords just work so well together in that, you know, that, that section. And yep. it just, it just... It floors me to think that that all of us get so worried about whether or not something is intrinsically original um, to us. I don't yeah, think there's anything they're... that I've ever done that I I know that everything I do is because of influences of other music that I've heard. And there's nothing wrong with that. I've always jokingly said we steal from the best. Yeah, I, yeah that's right. I now, saw that. I saw that in one of your interviews. <laughs> oh, so I, I didn't really know liked I, it. I said that. Yeah, but I'll. I'll 
pick out a record from my collection, which, and I'm a, this nerdy guy that always puts dates on things. Oh, that's so cool. So all my records have dates on them. So, but I'll go, oh, I hadn't heard that. And I'll put it on and go, whoops, that's where I got that lick. You know, so many years go by that, yep. but you make it your own. Like, okay, example, I didn't know that Strange Brew by Cream on Disraeli Gears, the exact solo is Albert King on uh, either Crosscut song or, oh shoot, I can't remember the song, but my God. And then I would, when I started going backwards and getting all these original records, I go, now wait a minute. That's, but, so but we all do. It's just the way it is, and you know, yeah. and sometimes we do it. It's we don't even realize we're doing it. Just like you said, you know, we'll hear something and go, "Oh my gosh!" Because I remember playing records and playing um, singers so much as a child, and I'm sure that there's times now that I reference that when I sing. Oh I hear, yeah, how can I hear, you not? I, I know I do. I absolutely know I do. So, well, I want to play a song now, and I, you laughed when I ch- said I chose this because I just love it, but. Um, and I, you know, I love the way it makes me feel this song, but it's, there's a sin in there somewhere. Um, you got to tell me about that history behind that. Okay. Uh, a, a good friend of mine and her husband, well, the husband and the woman, uh, Dana Farmer and Chuck Farmer, who let me record at their studio, that last album that we were talking about that Billy came out to, uh, for a 21st century blues she, we were sitting in a hotel bar one night, and she just said, there's a sin in there. I, I said something off color. She said, oh, there's a sin in there somewhere. <laughs> so I wrote it like all songwriters do. I wrote it on a napkin, then yeah. transferred it to my little book, and it sat there for maybe 10 years. And then finally, it came to fruition. And uh, I really like it. Uh, I uh, was trying to purvey a uh, old blues man feel so i used my 1929 dobro and i tried to do that john lee hooker thing where he taps on the piece of plywood but uh i i forgot what we ended up doing but i just wanted to have that old crackly so we got an old record and made yep, it crackle i love the way that opens that. up because i'm think it reminds me of when i dropped the needle on my album the here's a song you know <laughs> And we wanted to have a segue where it went from the 30s to right now. Yeah. And I, I hope I hope it's uh, I love it. Obvious. I think it's a lot of fun. I, th- I know our listeners are going to enjoy it. So we're going to play that right now. It's called um, There's a Sin in There Somewhere by Van Wilkes. And uh, if you're just tuning in, this is Texas Homegrown Music, and he's my guest today with lots of great stories. And we'll be right back.
Well, we're back, and I, I hate it, Van, because I, I I could sit and talk to you for another hour, and I know that you could tell me some things that I haven't heard <laughs> that I would love. and Probably you, could tell you some things that I'm not supposed to. Yeah, probably so. so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I've been known to share a little more than I should as well. So, uh, uh, definitely. You know, I have a question, though, cause I, and the only reason why is because it was the year that I was born. But there's a song um, down the line that I was looking at called 1959. All right. That's a song that I had in the 70s. And and when I was with Bill Ham, we did sign with Mercury Records, had our one major worldwide release done called Bombay Tears, and I'm still real proud of it. And that year we did the whole heart tour with whole tour with Heart. And we really got out there. We were playing huge arenas, even though nobody knew who we were. We got some airplay, uh, but that was at the era, it was eight-track tapes, cassettes, and vinyl. Yep. And I'm very fortunate that a, a company in England called Rock Candy, who had a magazine called Kerrang, recently re-released it with a 12-page oh, cool. booklet. And it's on my website, or you just type in, you know, with your computer and you can find it. Bombay Tears. But it's been remastered. Really proud of it. So 1959 was a song I wrote when I met, of course, a girl. <laughs> it's all about and, a girl, isn't it? Of course. I mean, uh, and uh, I said, well, you're kind of young. What year were you born? He said 1959. And that year she was 17. Oh, wow. And so we weren't dating. Let me uh, you qualify this right that? Now. Okay. She, she was in San Antonio and hired the, her group hired us for a high school show because we were already doing pretty good stuff around San Antonio and Austin. And uh, when she said 1959, I just went, wow, that's got a ring to it. So the, the lyric is 1959, 17's no crime. And once again, it's a bar band song, but it doesn't need, mean to be sexist or misogynistic in any way. It's just a rock and roll song. Yeah, but yeah I, we, 1959. We, we can't get too um, sideways on some of these things, I, you know. Right. And I've also got a song called Texas 51, because I was born in 51, and that's the name of my so-called publishing company, uh, the little record thing I had for a while. Uh, and there's a song called Texas 51 that I really love. Well, and uh, I'll have to look that up as well. I'm telling you, I spent <laughs> a lot of time listening to some music today, and it was really hard for me to choose. And I don't, I don't even know which one I'm going to play yet, so I'll be honest <laughs> with you. I'm going to go back and listen and just throw something in at the end of this. But I want to tell everybody first before they forget to um, go to your website. It's Van Wilkes, and it's spelled W-I-L-K-S. Um, you know, Van, you've played with the very best of them. You just did the guitar show once again, and I heard it was a stellar show. Um, and I'm so glad that you come and do that every year here in Dallas. Uh, I know that you've got a show coming up on June the 10th at the uh, Six Springs Tavern. And um, I think Mike Morgan and the Crawl might be there that night. Mm -hmm. And also, I just want to say, you are a lot of fun. You know, I, oh, I, 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 I've known you for a lot of years. I know that you're yeah. very familiar with the Guitar Sanctuary. we got to get you back there and play. I want to play us. there. I never have. We've, we've got to get you there, um, over there. And, and there's so many so many musicians that know who you are that are have been influenced by you, Van. I know that you talk about all the people that you've been influenced by, but you've actually been an influencer as well. well and that's I know nice that, to hear. I know that word is, is used a lot these days because everybody well, wants to to be an influencer but you you just as you said you just do the do the life play the gigs and people love it and i'm just so grateful that you took the time to be on my little radio well, and uh, podcast one, one quick thing that i'm very proud of uh i got to play the montro jazz festival and just sit in with zz top and it was the first time they'd ever had other musicians and i'm on their dvd and it was fun and then uh we opened for him in switzerland and got to do Jailhouse Rock with Dusty. I keep bringing Dusty up because, yeah. it's, you know, what a guy. And so I'm proud of that. Uh, and then we did the NAMM show, and Billy wanted to do uh, for Gibson Guitars and wanted to do Drive By Lover. And in the band was Daryl Jones of the Rolling Stones and Kenny Arnoff. And I turn oh. around and go, oh, my God, these people. And then Frampton comes up, and we do LaGrange. How so fun! I, I'm just saying, I'm not bragging, I'm just saying no. I've been so fortunate yeah, well, to be in that circle. Uh, 
I'm not in that circle, but every now and then you get thrown a bone and you chew it as quick as you can. Oh, baby. Well, you not, deserve that it. that bone's not going to last very long. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve it. You deserve it. We all, listen, here's the thing. You know, I, I've been playing music for a long time, and I yes, know you, you have. have as well. And we, as long as we're having fun up there and just living in the moment, because every moment right. you live is never going to be the same. And so just enjoy it for what it is, and because uh, and, life is like that. And, you know, we, yep. we just had this horrific thing that happened here in Allen. Oh. Texas, which is right oh. next to us, and it's just a, a, a reminder of how we have to really appreciate every single moment that we have. Yes, and well, um, well said, and, and try to spread peace, love, and kindness in everything that we do. And I just appreciate you, Van. Thank you so much for being a part of the show today. And I am going to come out and see you soon. I'm going to have you at the Guitar Sanctuary. We're going to work it out. I'd love to have you. Come I would love that, but there's only one caveat. We What's have to do a song together. I'm we definitely. Have to do a song together. I'm okay. definitely. Other than do that. Uh, All right. Well, but let's just do it. We're planning it. So, uh, well, thanks for having me. Thank you, honey. And this is Texas Homegrown Music, and we'll be right back.
hope you enjoyed Van as much as I did. I really feel like he has done some pretty cool things so far, and he's still got a lot of living to do. So thanks so much for tuning in with us every week. I just love getting to know these artists in a more personal way. And I've known Van for a long time, but a lot of those stories I'd never heard before. So it's always a lot of fun to do that and uh, be able to just get in to the trenches of his life like that and learn about all the adventures he's had with all these different musicians. So speaking of different musicians, you guys don't forget about TMR 27 coming up the first weekend of June 2nd and 3rd. We're going to have Female Friday, my own stage out there, Texas Homegrown Music Stage, all females on Friday, June the 2nd, and then June 3rd, people like Angel White and Isaac Hoskins Band, a lot of great artists on our stage as well as many others. 20 stages, over 90 bands, so I hope you guys got your tickets and will be a part of that. And I want to give a shout out to my sponsors, of course, the Guitar Sanctuary, Tupps Brewery, and Burris Injury Law for making it possible every week to come to you. I got to tell you, I'm going to close the show today with this song that just dropped as well from Lucas Nelson called Alka You know, he and his dad always come up with the funny phrases and the funniest things to say and sing about. So we're going to close the show with that one and just say peace out, everybody. Be sure and um, do something kind this week and and spread love and joy and peace wherever you go. We need so much more of it in our world as always. And I believe in all of you and I believe in people and humanity. And I know that we're all working together to make this life as good as we can. And I hope to see you guys next week right here on Texas Homegrown Music. See ya. Tired of boozy loving Father, I must make me a confession Forgive me, Father, for I've been inspired I've got bars and bars and melodies and memories May this spirit lift me ever high Can I get an alcohol? Kissing Whiskey River, take my mind again Wash away my sin, caught a little luck The door's a little stuck Maybe before we leave the truck We can have a real quick Father, I must make me a confession Give me Father, for I've been inspired I've got Mars, Mars, Can I get an alcohol? Hallelujah. I'm drinking on a prayer. Praying you ain't lying when you say you care. Old friends miss me. Baby won't kiss me. They drinking, trying to float. I can't even drive the boat. Baking in the sun. Soaking up the fun. Father time don't scare me none Cause I've been up late howling at the moonlight Dancing with the devil through the night Got bars and bars and melodies and memories May this spirit lift me ever high Can I get an alcohol?